0: Friends, we are going to um, preach from Psalm 121 today. Uh, We have been sort of impromptu been doing a little mini Psalms series as we wait to go back in to Matthew, and uh, we are going to preach one of the last songs on the new Sovereign Grace album, uh, Psalm 121. If you haven't heard the album, I encourage you to download it and listen to it. We've now preached on nearly all of those Psalms, so that's good. We're going to try and get through the whole album as we go through all the Psalms, so Psalm 121, and if you would like a title for today's message, which will be aimed to the mums primarily, because I'd love to use this moment for that, Help for the Helpers, that's the title for the message. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills, from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Would you join me in prayer? Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we ask that you would bless the reading and preaching of your holy word this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, for the past nine years, upfront, close and personal, I've had the privilege of seeing firsthand how mothering is one of the most incredible privileges on earth. There is something uniquely special about the reality that the womb of a mother can produce an eternal being. There's a bond and a closeness that a mother can have with a child that us fathers just never can quite match, I believe. No one spends more time with or nurtures a child like a mother. No one carries children in their hearts quite the same as a mother. It's a beautiful and unique and special time. But motherhood, to be sure, isn't always rosy. I've also had the privilege of seeing upfront, close and personal, how grueling, taxing, exhausting... And sacrificial mothering is. It's got to be one of the most gruelling, taxing, exhausting and sacrificial jobs on the planet. From all the various things that are called to do for mums, it's never ending. i read in a, a book this week by Courtney Resig, Glory in the Ordinary, she said this and mums you might relate to this and it's not politically correct because it's not about equal job sharing, but anyway Laundry isn't a job, it isn't something you do, it's a state of being. (laughs) (laughs) Motherhood is a perpetual and evolving task. With no due date or expiration, from infancy to childhood to teenage years to adulthood, the mother is forever called and compelled to help her children, helping by cleaning, cooking caring clothing on repeat constantly hearing mom where's my <laughs> helping with organizing reorganizing re-reorganizing on repeat mums often hear mom where's my helping with cuddles comfort and counseling on repeat Often hearing mom, not where's my, but just mom. <laughs> and they always seem to run to mum, don't they? And as children grow from one stage to the next, the complexity only grows. Even if the physical sides of the job decrease, the mental load deepens. The kids cry out, mom, what should I do? Motherhood is a call to constant and consistent helping. And perhaps you're in the thick of it all here as one of those mums. In the whirlwind of family life, parenting, child rearing, housekeeping, and one of the things you'll find yourself constantly doing is helping. Helping, 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 helping. And you may be wanting to cry out with the psalmist and perhaps even this morning you've had this cry, but where does my help come from? I'm always helping, but where does my help come from? Even on a day like Mother's Day, I guarantee you that still up to 90% of the jobs are still done by the mums in the home, and it can be one of those depressing days because you're like, ah, finally it's Mother's Day, and then you find yourself right back mothering. It's not a day off exhausted, tired, confused, where does my help come from? Day in, day out, hour by hour, minute by minute, second by second, helping, helping, helping. And mums, you may even feel guilty for wanting the help, for needing the help, for crying out for help, but you're not alone. In Holy Scripture, you've been given a psalm to help you in your need for help. Psalm 121. Now, originally, this psalm, you'll notice at the top, says a song of ascent. Likely, this psalm was sung by the congregation of Israel as they approached Jerusalem, which was on a hill, to go to temple five times a year for the various feasts. It's likely, though not necessarily for that. It potentially was a song that someone would call out verses one or two, and the congregation or the family would respond. We don't know. As they travelled along dangerous roads unguarded, as the hills closed in on them, they looked for help. And this song becomes a liturgy for those in need of help. This song becomes a prayer to pray and a promise to speak over yourself. And the beauty of this psalm, and in fact all the psalms, is that the psalms are our psalms. And this psalm is a general psalm. There's no actual specific occasion it has to be used on, and therefore, mums, this can be your psalm. And in fact, everyone in the church, no matter what you're going through as you meet here this Sunday morning, this is your psalm. This is your cry for help. Whether you are struggling with the demands of work or perhaps you are struggling with Mother's Day in and of itself, A single person wanting to be a mum, but not yet given the privilege and the weight and the duty of that. Or you've lost children, or you're in a season where children are out of the home, or you're a man and you need help too. This psalm is here for everyone, but today I'm going to particularly take this psalm and apply it to the ladies, apply it to the mums. And we're going to use these powerful and general truths that it offers to all believers and specifically apply it to mums. And that's why the title is Help for the Helpers. And so mums, as you help, this psalm teaches you, look to your divine helper. And as you keep, look to your divine keeper. We're going to, Unpack this psalm in three simple points. I'm going to jump into point number one. The source of your help. The source of your help. Read verse one with me. I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? It's a personal question. Where does my help come? It's a provocative question. Like Where is it going to come from? It's open-ended. Who or what can help me in my time of need? If you think about it, it's a question that cuts against the grain of our individualism and pride. It's a question that freely admits need. Where does my help come from? I need help. I know I do. So where am I going to get it? Perhaps this morning, as a mum, you feel acutely that need for help. Motherhood, perhaps why it's so difficult, is because it might be the first time in a long time you've desperately needed help. You've gone through the teenage years, you've finished uni, you got married, you've settled down, now you've had a child. You know, so you've had a career, perhaps, you've started a job, you've been proficient at that job, and then suddenly you've got this thing in your hands that just brings you to your knees can be uncomfortable to be in such a desperate position again. I feel like I, I had my life all together before I had a child, but now I'm in desperate need of help. Well, this psalm in verse 2 provides the most beautiful and the most soul-comforting promise that can be offered to you. Verse 2, my help comes from The Lord, who made heaven and earth. The source of the psalmist's help and all who truly call upon the Lord through Jesus Christ is of the greatest source imaginable. And though in the long days and hard nights of mothering and life, it may feel intangible, it may feel distant that God is your help, but nothing could be further from the truth. You notice what the psalmist says about his help. My help comes from the Lord. You notice that in your text, it's in capital letters there. That's because it's referring to the divine name Yahweh, the, the covenant name of God, the name that he uses alone for his relationship with his people. The name that he used to mark himself out from the Egyptians to the Israelites and say, I am your God. I have made covenant with you. I have promises to you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm yours. That God, he's your helper. It's not general. It's it's not just God, the universe. You know, there's a, a constant sense of like, I'll just put it out into the universe and hopefully the universe will help me. Or God, small g God, some God out there will help me. But no, this is particular God the God the maker of heaven and earth who knows you who's actually in a covenant relationship with you God the creator of the ends of the earth has sworn by himself to make you his own he shared the blood of his son to purchase you mums and so he alone is attentively and carefully watching over you It's very particular. It's very warm. To use that word, you are not alone. To use the name of the Lord, it's a promise dripping in God's faithfulness and salvation. And notice that the phrase, my help comes from the Lord, that means God too is a helper. If you need help, and someone helps you, that person is your helper. And there's an interesting and beautiful reality about motherhood and, and for all wives is that you are called by God in Genesis 2 to be the helper of your husband. You help your husband and by taking over the world. That's the cultural mandate. And your role is to help him. And one of the greatest ways you help him is by caring for and keeping the home. And it can feel like in our day and age that that's a belittling of women and rise up and solidarity and all that. But actually, God himself identifies himself as a helper. And so as you help in your home, mums, what you're actually doing is imaging God himself. When God made man and woman, he made them in his image. When he called wives to be helpers, That's not just like an add-on to like, all right, now you're a human being, now you're a helper. You're a female, now you're a helper. That's designed into your reality because that's how you reflect God. That's how you play the God part most fundamentally. And it's not just confined to wives. I think it's imbued into all women helpers. So God is help for the helpers. It's a beautiful, beautiful idea. And the one who is helping you, well, he's no slouch. <laughs> he's the one who is the maker of the heavens and earth, constantly making lunches, making beds, making meals, making this, making that. But the, the maker, the creator, the designer, the provider of everything has attached himself to you and is your helper. You can take those truths and bury them deep down in your heart. The one who made the mountains, the one who formed the earth, is the one who has promised to be my helper. It can be tempting, though, to want immediate, tangible, practical, instant help. From where does my help come? Kids, just give me Five minutes, peace, with no yelling, no crying, no tantruming. Husband, just get on home on time and take over. House, clean yourself. <laughs> Job, do it yourself. You might want to cry out, hey, Google, help me. <laughs> or Siri, but if I do that, it'll probably send off some, you know, everyone's phone will yell out, so I won't ask Siri for help. And all these things would be great. I mean, often your phone, it's like, help me, give me entertainment. But what greater source of comfort, ultimately, if you're truly thinking um, in, in light of all that God is, is to know that God actually is your help and your comfort. All those things, they may be really good, and, you know, husbands get home on time and help, you know, it's all that. But God Himself is your helper. But what type of help does our God offer us if he's not going to clean the house for you? God doesn't come in, at least not in my house. I'm back the dishwasher. Um, never had spag bowl from the Lord. So what type of help is on offer for you mums and for all of us today? Well, the rest of the psalm is a meditation on this. So let us look at verses 3 to 8 in our second point. So point one, the source of your help, God himself. Point two, the nature of your help. Your help is, this is what it is. In verses three to eight, as we read through them, you would have noticed it's a litany of cascading truths designed to be taken as divine promises for us to trust in and believe for our very lives in the big and the small. Notice the shift in the voice. Verse one and two, First person, my help. Now, verses 3 to 8, it's the second person, you and your help. It's almost as if the psalmist is preaching to himself Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. What will he do for me? Okay, well, he'll do this view. He will do this view, and this view, and this view, soul. Believe it, soul. But you would have noticed that in all those verses 3 to 8, there's one word that appears six times. The dominant theme of your help is this. Verse 5, the Lord is your keeper. Interesting that this psalm has helper and keeper in it. The Hebrew word for that is shema. It's it's the word used for um, Adam and Eve to guard and protect and keep the earth. And it's a word that talks, it's an active word. James Montgomery Boyce in his commentary defines it like this. The word is rendered in a number of English translations as keep, But the word conveys a more active concept. The Lord does not just keep the psalmist in the sense of providing a space for the psalmist, but the Lord guards, protects, watches over the psalmist, fending off those who seek out the psalmist or or who would do the psalmist harm. So it's an active word. The Lord is your keeper. It's not like he's like, you know, just a gatekeeper just standing there. Come in, yep, yep, I know you, yep, you're in. It's hovering, keeping, attending, watching, guarding. Now, do you believe that? That God's not overlooking you. Actively watching. Charles Spurgeon of verse 5 says this, and I love this. What a mint of meaning lies here. The sentence is a mass of bullion, gold, and when coined and stamped with the king's name, it will bear all our expenses between our birthplace on earth and our rest in heaven. What he's saying is, take verse (laughs) 5, break it up into little coins, Put them in your wallet and in those days, pull them out and cash them in. The Lord is my keeper. The Lord is my keeper. The Lord is my keeper. So with that image and that beautiful idea in mind, let us survey these cascading truths. Let's check out the coins and let's see what we can cash in. How does he help? Well, verse three and four, let's read that. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. A few things here to point out. The Lord's help is personal. He who keeps you. He pays particular attention to the individuals. You're not swallowed up by your role as a mum. You're not swallowed up and lost. He keeps you but it's also corporate. He keeps Israel. God is not just watching over you. He's watching over you and your family and your church and your people. God is the God of your people. And so although you are always thinking about, oh, how are they doing? What are they? Are they going to be okay? As you send them off and you think, oh, well, he keeps his people. It's corporate. It's also directive. Verse three, he will not let your foot be moved. Think of traveling and journeying and you're on mountain roads and slippery paths and one false step, and you might be tumbling down a mountainside. You might be slipping off. Well, the, God, the, the promise here is that God is directing our steps. The path and journey of motherhood may feel dangerous, and you may think, how did I get myself here? But you haven't slipped into motherhood. The Lord has directed you there, and he will keep you along the way. And it's attentive. He will neither slumber nor sleep. God is never unconscious. He's never waking up like we do sometimes to find mayhem and chaos in our homes. He's completely attentive of your every moment, every movement, situation. And nothing has or ever will, for all of us, escape his gaze. So in verses three to four, his help is personal. His help is corporate. His help is directive. His help is attentive. Verse five and six, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. Here we see that the Lord's help is, your help is protective. God protects you. He's guarding you from the dangers of day and the dark of night. Alec Motier says this, the perils are unknown, but the security is certain. He is protecting you, no matter what would come in the night, and seems to be in our home, the worst always at night, or the evil of the day. The help of the Lord is comforting. It's a beautiful image. If you think desert people, hot, ancient Near East, the Lord is your shade on your right hand. You know, when you're even on a hot summer's day and you move just five steps into the shade and suddenly it's 10 degrees colder and you're like, oh. The Lord helps you by comforting you in the heat of your trials. And his help is constant. No matter the time of day or night, he's watching and caring. Nothing will strike you. Nothing will come at you without God superintending it, without God knowing it, without God being a part of it and planning it. You cannot be like a quick strike, boom, oh, king hit by Satan or the world. It cannot happen because God is constantly hovering over you, watching you and protecting you. It doesn't mean, as we'll see later, that nothing bad will ever happen. But nothing bad will ever strike you in a way that was un, you're unprotected, you're unguarded, you're uncared for in it. So his help, the help that we have, is protective. It's comforting. It's constant. Verse 7 to 8. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. In a word, comprehensive. All evil, all activities of life, for all time. All evil, all activities of life, whether you're going out or just staying in or coming home for all time, both now and forevermore. It's a beautiful and incredible image to actually take and believe. But as I said, it's not a promise of unending prosperity and health. Death, disease, and disaster are still realities in the life of a believer, like I said, that none of them will strike us or happen to us outside of the sovereign keeping and direction of God. It's not the lack of your faith that makes you sick. It's not necessarily a result of a particular sin that you missed that job or that you're not getting what you want. God's plans aren't as simplistic as that but we can be sure of our Keeper. That if our Keeper, the Sovereign One, if our Keeper would permit that darkness looms and disease takes over, that it will not destroy us ultimately or eternally. It will not rob us of our great treasure. That is, Himself. Because none of these things, even the worst of life, can separate us from him. The greatest act of his keeping of us is not in our health and our wealth and our prosperity and our opportunities and our fruitfulness and productiveness. The greatest display of his keeping is the keeping he does of our souls in Christ. Yes, the storms of life will come, mums, friends, but through them all, we will be kept Cared for, watched over. None of the darkest moments of your life are unseen by the Lord. None of the hours of suffering, pain, or stress as a mum are overlooked or out of his control. Romans 8 gives us glorious promises in this arena. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the best way he can keep you. Your soul will never be lost because God has bought it with a price. Earlier in Romans 8, Paul has said this, We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Those whom he predestined, he also called, and those he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. Or in Psalm 121, the Lord will keep you from this time forth and forevermore. So what's the nature of our help? It's quite spiritual sounding. The nature of our help is that the Lord is our keeper. And what is his keeping like? Well, it's personal and corporate. It's directive and attentive. It's protective and comforting, constant, and in a word, comprehensive. But you may be thinking, okay, So if God's keeping and helping doesn't soften the blows of life and make everything better, what's the good news? What's what's the result? What am I meant to feel at the end of this psalm if I don't know, just walking out of here, that everything's going to be rosy? Well, that leads to point number three. So we've had the source of our help, the nature of our help. Point number three, the power of your help. What's this meant to do for us? Where are we meant to land at the end of this? Whether we're mums or dads, kids or grandparents, single or dating. This psalm is designed to empower your soul to press on and persevere in the journey of life, whatever may come. The intended effect of this psalm for your soul is to empower you to press on, And persevere in the journey of your life, whatever may come. You see, as I said earlier, it's designed as a mini liturgy for us to memorize and use to get through our days, through the nights, through the mornings, through the hard, through the easy. When you come against trial and pain and suffering and disappointment, use it as a liturgy. Where does my help come from? Okay, my help comes from the Lord. Okay, what good is that? Well, He will keep you. He is watching over you, soul. He is guarding you. It's personal. It's directive. It's attentive. It's protective. It's comforting. It's constant. It's comprehensive. You see, this psalm is designed to bolster you, not solve all your problems. The beautiful truths, like Spurgeon said, coins that are minted that you take and you cash in, no matter what storm comes. Because you would have noticed too that there's lots of repetition in this psalm. The word the Lord is used five times. Keeper is used six times. Often the ideas overlap, sun and moon, night and day, life now, forevermore. The repetition is intended because of our frailty and our propensity to forget. We should, right now, but probably aren't and may not, be experiencing a sense of, oh, oh, the Lord's my keeper. I'm good. Like, I may not be good, but I'm good. Like, genuinely the depth of my soul, but often we don't experience that because, oh, but this and that and this and that and this and that, and we get all tense up and I'm tensing up even as I think about it, but the result of this psalm is meant to be, oh, okay, good, the Lord is my help, the Lord is my keeper. It should dissolve anxieties and disappointments But how feeble our soul's stability is. How quickly we panic and moan and complain and grumble and grizzle in the toils of life and motherhood. How quick we are to despair. How often I hear, I'm ruining my children. (laughs) I'm losing my mind. I can't do this anymore. And so we must bathe our souls in the promises of this psalm that we would have the power to persevere in the journey of life. So as as you help, look to your divine helper. As you keep, look to your divine keeper constantly, repetitively, all the time, throughout the day. John Calvin gives a great explanation of the repetition in this psalm. But I think we'll leave it. I'll post it in the thing. A few, few lines from it. How difficult it is to correct our distrust, he says. Instantly we tremble at the noise of a leaf falling from a tree as if God had quite forgotten us. But the intended result of this psalm is that we should take these promises and memorise them and build our life on them and then go from this psalm to all of Scripture and build up a, 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 a wallet of you know, promises to cash in when we're feeling all these temptations. And then the last line he says, that we may bid adieu to all the vain confidences of the world. Mums, use this psalm. Husbands, use this psalm with your wives in a gentle way. When you get home and hear the cares and concerns of your wife, don't immediately jump into fix-it mode, solve-it mode, help mode but gently exhort her, encourage her, remind her that her help comes from the Lord, that he's been with her all the days. Charles Spurgeon says this, three times we have this phrase, Jehovah shall keep, as if the sacred Trinity thus sealed the word to make sure. Ought not all our fears to be slain by such a threefold flight of arrows? What anxiety can survive this triple promise? Had to get that quote in there. That's a good one. (laughs) The Lord is my keeper. The Lord is my keeper. The Lord is my keeper. Death to all the cares. And so, take this psalm. Lift up your eyes to the hill. Ask the question, where does my help come from? And know my help comes from the Lord, even if no one else on earth is helping me. Who made heaven and earth. And finally, as you consider all of this, look up to that hill. Look beyond the hills of Jerusalem and look to the hill called Calvary. Lift your eyes to that great hill, that high hill, that upon that hill is a cross. And upon that hill is where your ultimate and enduring help comes from alone. And see upon that hill. See on that hill one whose foot slipped. See upon that hill the one who was struck by the sun. See upon that hill the one who was not kept from evil, our evil. See upon that hill the one whose life was lost so that ours never will be. On that cross is where your help was purchased, secured. And so look to that hill in the ups and downs and know that reality. It's a help that saves you from hell. It's a help that secures your eternal rest in heaven. It's a help that screams of its love for you. It's a help that says, I love you personally. I'm attentive I'm protective, I'm comforting, I'm constant, I'm comprehensive. So mums, you are helpers. It's your divine calling. It's not an accident of evolution or a result of the patriarchy. You help because you're like God, who's the ultimate helper. And as you help, look to your helper. As you keep... Look to your keeper. Let's pray. Almighty God, I thank you that we have this psalm. No matter our circumstance, we have this treasure trove. We confess that so often the the falling of a leaf can cause our heart to melt with fear, discouragement and disappointment bolster our souls and use one another, use our families, use our kids, use our church to remind each other of these precious promises that you are our help, that you are our keeper and you alone are watching over us through the day, through the night, through the toil, through the struggle. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.